Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. What is going on, everybody? It's yours, Julie Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. Welcome, guys, to the uh, September 24th edition of the OK Fame Show, of course, right here on YouTube.com slash OK Faber, of course, Facebook.com slash OK Fame, and, of course, wherever you guys are listening to this on your favorite audio podcasting platforms. Of course, we're on Anchor, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, our friends over at i. Heart Radio, thank you so much for tuning in as we are going to recap the craziness that went down on last night's Monday Night Raw. We are two weeks away from Hell in a Cell. It is technically the season finale of Monday Night Raw as we head to the season premiere of Monday Night Raw next week. It's so weird that they have this whole concept of like season finale and seasons premieres. It's just, it's still something I'm not used to and I get it weekly episodic television, all that stuff. But like every once in a while they creep in and remind us that, oh yeah, by the way, um, yeah, that, that that that's a thing. That's a thing that we have. They, they're we're, te- we're we're episodic television. That means they have to be seasons. It's, just, it's a weird concept, but I guess hey, an excuse to have a kick-ass fatal five-way, and we get ourselves a, a universal championship match next week that I am really looking forward to. But let's talk about this week's RAW, and, and before we even jump to next week's, and before we get that, you guys know the routine. You guys know the whole deal. I always love to hear what you guys have to say about all this. So make sure you guys hit us up in the comment section. Hit us up on social media: the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram. All that fun stuff. Links, as always, are in the description box below. If you guys want to help support the channel, help it grow, hit that sub button, hit the bell so you're notified every time a video drops into your subscription service. And, of course, make sure you guys also check us out on the Represent Store for the merch and the Patreon page for all the bonus perks. Links, as always, like I said, are in that description box. So, Raw this week, again, we were on the road to Hell in a Cell, and it was definitely a bizarre one, to say the least. One that I did not think would end with The Fiend. Uh, you know, we'll kind of we'll jump around a little bit here as far as the way the show flows, but just generally speaking, I think it was a very mixed show. I think there were things on this show that I really enjoyed, I thought that were very beneficial, and thought that... Um, I got the bang out of, you know, got the bang for my buck as far as the entertainment aspect goes. But there were definitely some other things in there that just felt a little off kilter and somewhat of a repeat mode as far as Monday Night Raw, which unfortunately, Raw does tend to have that kind of, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Reputation, or sorry, reputation of having. And it's unfortunate because. Uh, you know, with the with the soon to be eminent changes of of the draft coming up in a few weeks, uh, apparently Raw is already getting a new set, new logo next week. You can tell the change is coming, and, and this kind of Raw makes me think that well, maybe some things never truly change. But there was definitely some highlights for this week's Raw. Uh, including, of course, another Firefly Funhouse segment, a pretty solid women's match, and again, that crazy 
805 way. But let's kick things off with actually how the show started with Seth Rollins coming out and making his entrance. Of course, he gets on the mic and says, he's done and seen a lot of things, but he's never felt the way he did last week on Raw. He said he felt defenseless because he just got mugged by a bunch of dudes and he's got and then he's got the living embodiment of a nightmare just inches away from his face. He has no fight left. He goes, all I could do is close my eyes, hope it was a bad dream, but it wasn't. He, of course, talks about Hell in the Cell, how dangerous it is before asking what he should do. He says he provides his own answer. He'll survive. He'll prevail. SummerSlam, Rollins, Lesnar, nobody gave him a chance, but he still did it. Strowman at Clash of Champions, he did the same thing. And he says it's not going to be easy, but then, of course, gets interrupted by Strowman himself. He, they, of course, have a face-off in the middle of the ring, and Braun says he's got something to say, and he preferred to say it right to his face. Strowman doesn't seem like a texter to me, unless Bray Wyatt... Uh, he doesn't, unlike Bray Wyatt, uh, he doesn't run around pretending to be Mr. Rogers playing psycho games with puppets. If he's got a problem with his opponent, he walks right up and lets him know it. Seth start, starts in about the tag titles and Braun cuts him off and says not only did he cost him the tag titles, he said he hopes he doesn't get a rematch. Uh, Rollins begs off, says he's got a lot on his plate, and what he said when he, he didn't have to fight him anytime soon after beating, uh, he got a clash of champions. But all, but the way he's all up in his face, Seth kind of wants to fight him tonight. So Braun asks that's a challenge. Rollins tells him to make it however he likes it. And of course, Strowman takes it and says he's going to get these hands tonight. So yeah, we're going to get Strowman versus uh, Rollins one more time in the main event. And I think that once that was revealed, I think everybody pretty much knew where things were going to head in that direction. And again, I thought we weren't going to see The Fiend at all tonight. I figured that the closing of the show was going to be the Fatal Five way because, and I think I talked about this a bit on the on the Raw preview on yesterday's episode, was that it was smart booking because that way, what you do is you are, um, you are temporarily alleviating Rollins of having to f confront The Fiend every single week. I know there's only three weeks to build up between Clash of Champions and Hell in a Cell, but that Fiend character has to be handled very, very carefully and very delicately. And so far, I mean, even with tonight's Raw, they did a hell of a job, um, but it just gets me worried about overexposing The Fiend. Then again, he is possibly fighting for the Universal Championship, and I do say possibly because of what happens later on tonight. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, but of course, the first match we actually get is a uh, honestly one hell of a tag team match. Um, it is the it is the OC Anderson and Gallows against the Viking Raiders. So this is realistically one of, if not the very first time that the Viking Raiders get like an actual credible challenge on Monday Night Raw. And I'll tell you guys right now, did not disappoint. Of course, we've got uh, we've got our friends the uh, we got friends AJ Styles who's outside on the ring area. Um, but of course, as we see uh, the referee try to send uh, AJ to the back before he can even get there, Cedric Cedric Alexander pops out of nowhere and actually beats him down on stage. It's actually kind of funny to watch like Cedric like kind of like chase after him and almost like throw a steel chair after him. It's kind of funny stuff. But anyway, back in the ring, hard hitting action between the two teams. We see back commercial Anderson control and Ivar tags and. Ga uh, 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 sorry, Anderson control of Ivar tags and Gallows. They keep going back, tag back to Eric Wastelock, thinking heart attack, but big boot runs interference, and Anderson hits the spinning spine buster. Tag into Luke, boot of doom and a near fall. Magic Killer gets cut off. Big form to the right hands, tag to Ivar. Cartwheel Lariat, which is always impressive. I, uh, Carl cuts him off, but Eric's there, and of course they win with the Viking experience on Carl Anderson to get them a huge win. And this is what was definitely needed. I mean, I obviously would have waited for maybe a bigger payoff, but I'm certainly not going to complain. Very great tag team match, and very glad to see the Viking Raiders actually in a challenge against another team. Again, for the most part, since they debuted on the main roster with maybe that tag team turmoil match as an exception, we haven't really seen the Viking Raiders you know, going up against any credible team. So this is the start of something really cool. I wouldn't mind seeing this a couple more times. 
Great chemistry from two uh, two former IWGP, uh, IWGP tag team champions. Freaking tongue-tied this evening. This is crazy. But definitely an awesome one. Viking Reeves with a win on this one. Of course, we see Bobby Roode in an interview for the Fatal Fiveway. He says the fact that he pinned Rollins last week to win the tag titles. He's already won, and the results will absolutely be glorious. Of course, we get an interview real quick with Becky Lynch back from the commercial. She wants to take a few step back talking about how she made the SmackDown's women's division best it's ever been while Raw's division was in a wasteland of, in the wake of Ronda Rousey. She talks about how Hell in a Cell isn't to keep Bailey out, but it's to keep Sasha Banks in, and she can't wait to leave, have her all to herself. She, of course, asked was about the fine uh, levy for her for using the chair, and she says Banks wasn't trying to beat her. She was trying to end her. So with Hell in a Cell, she has a chance to do so too. We then get into a match between EC3 and Rusev. That's right, EC3 still employed by WWE. And unfortunately, this one is as quick as the gender or as quick as the gender reveal that we got last week from Maria and Mike's baby. Excuse me, Maria and Rusev's baby. Pretty much EC3 ducking punches, whip reverse. Rusev gets a fallaway slam. He's fired up. Scoop slam, straight suplex, machka kick, rolling card over, stomp to the back, and the accolade for the win for Rusev. So really nothing too shocking there. I have seen the tweet about Maury Povich inviting them on. And listen, all I'm saying is, is that whether you like the idea of Maury getting involved in this whole thing or you hate the idea, WWE is stupid for not capitalizing on that practically open invitation. They'd be dumb not to take advantage of it. Personally, I think what they should do is they should actually go to the Maury show itself rather than inviting Maury Povich onto Monday Night Raw. I mean... Seeing that, except, I mean, that would just be absolute comedy gold, which is interesting because, and we'll get to this in a minute, the 24-7 title, I, I think, might have jumped the shark this week, but we'll talk about that in just a little bit. We see Rey Mysterio cutting a promo backstage about, of course, nearly retiring a week, uh, a few weeks ago, and then writes it off as a moment of serious doubt, and, of course, gives his son Dominic for credit, and, of course, he's happy to be in the number one contenders match later on. Being later on, we get Nikki Cross and Sasha Bank, a hell of a women's tag team matchup uh, between the two of them, uh, or excuse me, women's tag team match, singles match between the two women. Uh, gave them a lot of time in this one, a lot of interference from Bailey and Alexa Bliss. Uh, great stuff between all four women. I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, towards the end, we see a tornado DDT gets denied. Back elbow fends off Sasha from Nikki Cross. Fisherman's neckbreaker connects, but Bailey runs interference. Bliss then decks Bailey and throws her into the timekeeper's area. Cross gets fired up, shaking the ropes, headed to the top, uh, diving crossbody, but Banks rolls through and, of course, hits the bank statement, holding it for a while, but Nikki Cross ultimately pins out to the boss. Uh, Post-match, Banks and attacks Bliss and hitting, of course, a full bank statement once again. This was a really solid women's matchup, probably one of my favorites of the entire uh, evening as far as in-ring stuff, and uh, I, I think really it's a testament to Nikki Cross too. It's no disrespect to Sasha Banks, but I think Nikki is starting to slowly show herself as a really good singles wrestler. And I thinking about this when I saw this match, we really hadn't seen a whole lot of Nikki Cross um, singles competition in NXT. I mean, yes, she did challenge for the NXT Women's Championship a couple of times, and there were a couple of moments here and there, but I feel like she never really had a truly big chance to shine. I feel like lately, she's definitely had that chance to shine, and I'm all for it. It's great stuff. Really looking forward to see what happens. Maybe they'll have uh, the split up later on. It doesn't seem like they're planning on splitting up Bliss or uh, Cross anytime soon. In fact, we know next week it will be Banks versus Bliss one-on-one -on, -one on the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. So looking forward to that. But great matchup. Definitely recommend it. Crowd was on fire for this one. One of my favorites of the entire evening. Of course, we see AJ kind of hyping up the fact that he's uh, going to win the Fatal Five-Way. Of course, talking about the OC's loss. And, of course, saying that nothing's going to be between him and the Universal Championship. 
Of course, we get back from commercial break, and we see that, of course, Lesnar will be on the show next week for reasons I'm just assuming to hype up the Fox title the title shot he's having with Kofi Kingston on Fox. And, of course, segue into Street Profits paying their usual role as hype men when The Miz rolls up to, of course, make two huge announcements. The first, of course, the uh, birth of his second daughter, uh, which congratulations to Miz and, and Maurice for the birth of their second daughter. Uh, but the second, and this one I just flabbergasted at, uh, Ms. TV will return to Monday Night Raw next week with two huge guests, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Um, I think I'd be remiss to say that Hulk Hogan, when you go back and listen to that segment on Raw, Hulk Hogan did not receive a whole lot of pops at that particular moment. Just saying that maybe not a good idea. Flair, on the other hand, still got his, his uh, love and comeuppance, which is probably why they mentioned it second. <sighs> I think this is another Fiend calling. Although I don't know why the Fiend would attack Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, because remember, the, the, Bray Wyatt said in a previous episode of the Firefly Funhouse, the Fiend only goes after people who have like taken something from him in a previous life. I don't know what Hogan and Flair might have done in the past, but I mean, that just I just see that as an opportunity for the Fiend to attack once again, but we'll see. Uh, of course, we see Lacey Evans versus Ember Moon. Nothing really to write home about this one with Lacey Evans getting the victory here via submission on the sharp via sharpshooter. I kind of feel bad. On one hand, Ember Moon had some great offense in this matchup, but on the second hand, or the other side of this, is that we're building up towards, again, more of a match between Lacey Evans and Natalya and building up that rivalry, which I'm all for. And yes, I did see the story of the video that went viral with her arguing with a Calgary uh, police officer, getting pulled over and getting a ticket. Uh, I'm BS that she had to apologize publicly for it because obviously it was a work and it was a great one at that because it went so viral and it just really bums me out because of the idea of these people trying to maximize the potential of their characters to cross boundaries over into social media. But unfortunately it's, it's one of those ones where you have to be as true to your character as possible. But if you go too far, and in this case, Lacey Evans, I did not think she went too far had to retract the whole thing and kill the whole movie. It, it just sucked. Um, of course, Natalia's interviewed backstage right after and ends up says, Lacey wants a rematch. She's at best be ready to tap the hell out. But just sad, decent match between her and Ember Moon. Nothing to write home about, uh, but more upset about the whole Lacey Evans having to apologize for being pulled over. The whole uh, police officer. Definitely check, recommend checking the video out. It was great stuff, but just bummer that she had to, she had to take it all back. Anyway, we, of course, get the Firefly Funhouse segment up next. Kane has joined the Wall of Friendship, and Bray Wyatt hangs a new photo, telling us there's always room for one more or one more place at the table. Although it was weird, because the, the picture he hung up was uh, was blacked out, so we don't know who was that on that one. He walks up to the show before interrupting a tug-of-war between Huskus and Rambling Rabbit, who are fighting over a Seth Rollins figure. They said they become just big such fans of Seth that they just couldn't share. Well, Brain informs us that sharing isn't easy, but it's never good to be too attached to something because if you love something too much, you become weak, vulnerable to disappointment, neglect, and loneliness. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by those you care about most. And of course, Rabbit says he doesn't want to hurt the, the fiend to hurt Rollins, uh, to which Bray says, well, maybe he wants to protect Seth. He then breaks the action figure in half so they can share and then stares at the camera at length before telling us all he'll see us in hell. I thought they were going to go more deeper into this one with the idea of him, like, you know, like sharing isn't easy because it's never too good to be too attached to something. Now, I don't know if that was a message to Braun or if it was more of a message to Seth Rollins about the Universal Championship. I think it's more the latter. Um, but there's always hidden messages in, in the Firefly Funhouse. I do love the wall thing where there's a victim behind every single, you know, uh, there's a painting behind him or a picture behind him with the eyes X'd out of every victim. 
I think that if they expanded on the Firefly Funhouse, there could be more to do that. I mean, they could have a giant wall of fame or all of pain. No, that's taken. But great stuff as always. Uh, just creepy factor all across the board. I always love the Firefly Funhouse. We get back for commercial. We get more NXT debut or hype uh, for their uh, return to USA Network. But then 24-7 champion R-Truth and Carmella come running out the ring when, of course, we see the squad of people trying to cash in on the title coming right behind. They surround the ring. Carmella gets in the mic and says, listen, just stop chasing us, okay? She can't take it anymore. They've been on the run for like four freaking months. Truth says he's going to get them out of this mess because his clown friend is going to give him a balloon, right, uh, which is. Raymond, but she continues to have a bit of a meltdown. Of course, Ron hugs her, but then Carmella sneaks up behind, and does a schoolboy pin, so she becomes the new 24-7 champion. Truth celebrates with her, and then she realizes she has to defend the title now, and they run away from the glut of all the challengers. So, there you go. <laughs> um, I knew it was only a matter of time before Carmella was going to get the damn thing. It was only a matter of time. Uh, but uh, either way, it was still fun and entertaining to watch. Although with with this, I feel like they're running out of ideas now. I mean, the Drake Mavigar truth stuff was hilarious, and if you sprinkle other things in between, like I thought the Jinder Mahal plane thing was really funny, and just you know, it's starting to kind of get to a point where like, okay, what else can you do? Like we're 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 kind of tapping the well a little dry here because Truth's been now a fifteen whatever time twenty four seven champion, and again, I love the twenty four seven title concept. I'm not a fan of the name or the the design of the belt itself, but the concept is still fun and interesting. There's still things you can do with it. It just sucks because I feel like they just wrote this one in very last minute. I'm fine with Carmella being champion and introducing more fit into the whole fray. And there's, again, more creativity you can have. But you like, they got to, I'm not saying they need gold every single week, but just they got to tread lightly because otherwise uh, it could go either way. Of course, we see backstage Nakamura is getting a pep talk from Sami Zayn. Nakamura stands up and interrupts in Japanese, causing Sami to back down and simply tell him he's going to do Great. But then we see Corbin getting ready for his rematch against Chad Gable uh, beforehand, saying that he's not here to make fun of everyone, but this match is going to be rather short. As our king, he decrees that after tonight he no longer has to compete anyone against uh, uh, against anyone who is under five foot five. So just going after those short jokes. Corbin versus Gable was once again another strong matchup. I still say their King of the Ring final match was better. Uh, not by much, though. This one was another strong outing as far as in-ring stuff. Uh, once again, playing more or less the same psychological advantage of Corbin being the bigger guy, but Cable, uh, Gable utilizing his uh, tactics, his technical ability, and all that stuff. Um, of course, we see a lot of close moments. Corbin cutting uh, uh, Gable off with a right, a dive off the top, nobody home. Uh, we, of course, see slow to rise. Both men are just spent out towards the end. Corbin with a goozle block, uh, with a goozle blocked. End of days gets countered. Drop down, ankle lock gets applied by Gable. Wrenching in the middle of the ring, keeping Corbin center. But he gets, uh, of course, Corbin reaches out, grabs his scepter. And, of course, has no choice and just whacks Corbin and attacks him with the scepter. Which means that technically Gable wins by DQ after Corbin just continues to beat him down after the matchup. Uh, I think that this was definitely needed. I thought Gable would get the victory here, but I think that with, with Corbin showing, I think it was a smart booking move, honestly. I think that having Gable pinning him clean on Raw right after the King of the Ring finals, now that I think about it in hindsight, was not a good idea. Or at least, that, that you know, it's not a good idea from when I thought about it on yesterday's episode of the show. I think that doing it this way is much better to, to eventually build up to that moment where Gable gets the redemption and pins uh, Baron Corbin. So smart move on the, on the booking on that one. Um, their matches have been solid. Between Gable and Corbin, I've been loving their matches, so no complaints from me whatsoever. So, you know, give me a rubber match to Hell in the Cell and I'm a happy guy. Maybe, maybe a submission match, although I don't think Corbin has a submission, but hey, whatever. 
We do see the authors of pain coming back, uh, not in a promo this time. However, this time they're actually uh, walking down the middle of a hallway and then decide to randomly beating up dudes in a hallway. Sure, that's in crap. You might as well. That's what they're kind of used to. I, I personally would have loved to see the authors of pain come back as like hired hitmen, kind of like the revival for Randy Orton. Um, they're big enough dudes that you can very easily have him have them protect someone and they're big enough guys that it's believable where it's like the APA of, of modern time where like, and maybe not that's goofy, but like hired guns to be like, okay, these guys are going to be my problem solvers. They're going to come after your ass and then, you know, reintroduce him in that way. It just sucks because Authors of Pain had such a great strong showing when they first came up on the main roster and then just kind of fizzled really quick. I know part of it had to do with injury, but just, just sucks. So maybe this reintroduction is just what they freaking need. But speaking of just what we need, let's talk about that Fatal 5 Elimination match, huh? Holy crap baskets. AJ Styles, Mysterio, Ricochet, Rude, and Nakamura winner faces Seth Rollins next week for the Universal Championship. Did not know it was elimination, but that does sort of make sense. The first one comes from Nakamura eliminating Ricochet by pinfall with a keen Sasha, which surprised the hell out of me. I thought Ricochet would make it at least closer to the finals, but hey, uh, we go back from that for the commercial break. Nakamura cuts Mysterio off into the turnbuckles uh, and climbs up after him. We see a lot more craziness. Uh, Kins uh, diving at Kin Sasha is not enough. Styles comes from behind. Styles' rush gets cuts off. Fired up and ready. AJ sidesteps. Styles' clash gets countered. Uh, then, of course, we see a 619 from Mysterio. AJ cuts him off before the springboard, and it's an apron brain buster, which just looked devastating as all hell. For him to stagger Rude springboard, of course, AJ then takes out Nakamura by hitting a phenomenal forearm, but it doesn't take long as Rude sneaks in and hits a glorious DDT, eliminating AJ Styles. So now we're down to Mysterio and Robert Rude. I thought for sure AJ was going to get the win here, but listen, ain't complaining about getting me some Ray Ray. Um... Rude gets Ray back inside and calls for it, drawing him up for another glorious DDT. It's a reverse in his schoolboy for a two count. Off the rope, sets him up. 619, still not enough. Mysterio hits an insecurity from the apron. Springboard caught the glorious DDT reverse. Once again, another 619. And of course, hits a frog splash to become the new number one contender for the Universal Championships. So of course, uh, Seth, immediately after the match, congratulates Ray on his title shot and says, It's a dream match. He's won it his entire life. He's not thrilled about any of the hard matches he's got coming up, but that's how it is when you're on the top of the mountain. Now, of course, his aunt asks a ton of questions. Yes, it is for the Universal Championship. What's going to happen with Hell in the Cell on next Sunday? So the plan is, at least from what I understand, is that uh, Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, is happening regardless of whether or not it is for the Universal Championship. So it just matters of whether or not the title is in line. If Seth is still champion by the time that we get to the pay-per-view next Sunday, then it will be for the Universal Championship. If not, it will just be Seth versus Fiend which could play into a lot of interesting factors. But let's talk about that main event, Strowman versus Rollins. Of course, uh, with the way that things ended, or at least the thing, way that we, I think a lot of us suspected it to end, I'm not really too surprised about it. And, and we really didn't get too much further into, um, into high gear. Uh, we really uh, didn't get much a chance to see a whole lot of action between the two of them. I mean, there were some decent ones with some great athleticism from Seth Strowman doing the runaround and doing the whole, like, you know, sprinting the marathon and shoulder tackle. Um, that was fun. Of course, it didn't take long for Seth trying to come back. Strowman catches him for a fallaway slam. And once we saw that pause in the moment there, I think we knew the writing was on the wall. Lights lower and out comes the fiend. So, of course, Bray Wyatt uses not one, but two mandible claws to take out Braun Strowman, which I definitely think was needed. And, of course, we get a repeat of last week where Bray and Seth are kind of like staring each other down to close out this week's Monday Night Raw, the season finale. of. So, the ending. 
it's bittersweet on one. All right, so on one hand, I loved it. I think it's another great little visual with the fiend kind of being this haunting living nightmare for Seth Rollins. Always love to see that. But the other problem with it is the fact of two parts. One is the part that I mentioned with the overexposure of the fiend. Can't overexpose him, uh, especially with this already interesting scenario of him challenging for a title and trying to make him and protect him and look really strong. Uh, the second is, and I said this on a Twitter, um, man, Strowman needs to move his ass to SmackDown. Like, this guy has had no breaks lately, and I think that really, if you want to keep a veining interest on Braun Strowman, you need to have him be refreshed and repackaged. Oh, not repackaged, but he needs a fresh start. And I think being drafted to SmackDown would be a great way to start off that fresh run, um, especially with the draft right around the Raw was kind of in the middle of the road for me this week overall. Uh, I think that there was some really solid in-ring work. I love the women's match between Sasha and Nikki. I love the tag team match and an awesome fatal five-way. Really, those are the highlights. And, and the Firefly Funhouse, and I know I'm probably going to get a little bit of a disappointment for this one, really wasn't too huge for me this week. But it didn't really need to be huge this week because we got The Fiend at the end of the day. And The Fiend's always a plus for every single show. I do worry about what's going to happen with Hell in a Cell. I am really looking forward to Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. No doubt that match is probably going to be the match of the night if they let it go the distance it needs to go. Um, Cable, uh, Gable and Corbin pulled on solid performance. So, I mean, yes, was there a lot of repetition on Raw tonight? Yes, there was a lot of repetition on Raw in, in a lot of aspects tonight. But generally speaking, the in-ring quality was very, very solid, but felt like nothing else really progressed as far as story development, which I'm not really complaining about this week because we get an awesome universal title match next week. The Fiend stuff kind of writes itself, and everything else just kind of falls in the middle, so I'm not really too worried about that. I'd probably give Raw a 6.5 out of 10, mainly for the reason of the fact that we had some really solid in-ring stuff this week. Uh, again, not a near-perfect show by any stretch of the imagination, but still, overall, I really enjoyed the in-ring stuff this week, but I do wonder what the hell is going to happen. But hey, we get Mysterio versus Rollins next week, and Hell in a Cell is right around the corner, so my interest is at least staying, staying in the, the beginning of October. But that's just my opinion, guys. I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. What do you guys think of Monday Night Raw this week? Let me know your thoughts. Hit me up in the comment section. Hit me up on social media, Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Of course, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check us out on all the audio podcasting platforms. And of course, make sure you guys turn in, tune in tomorrow, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, as we're going to recap everything for the last SmackDown on USA before their move over to Fox. And we'll talk about all the fun stuff on that one on tomorrow's show. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care, and as always, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch the OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fabe Show.